0: Good morning, friends. This is Joel Martin with you today, and I'm so glad you're able to join me for the Everlasting Word. Now, today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, and the thought for today is, do you know how to pray? Now, that may sound like a very simple question, and you ask most people, they'll say, do you know how to pray? They say, of course I know how to pray. But the question really goes much, much deeper than that. Do we know how to pray in a way that pleases our Lord and Savior, and in a way in which, <clears throat> in a way in which that we can commune with Him in the Spirit, and then we can shut out all our our cares, our worries, our concerns of this world, and we just commune with our Father in Heaven. That's the key. To pray, and that's how to pray. Now, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching his disciples on prayer, and he gives some very stern instructions on what not to do before he really gives them the the structure in how to pray. So, in Matthew 6, verse 5, Jesus says, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. I believe that is a direct reference to the Pharisees. It says, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So he says, don't make it a show. Don't make it where people you can say hey look at me I'm praying I'm I'm religious I'm spiritual. But he says in verse 6 he says but when thou prayest enter into thy closet and when thou hast shut thy door pray to thy father which is in secret and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Now <clears throat> the Lord says go into your closet Go into a private place. Shut out this world. Shut out your cares. Shut out your worries. And it's just you and your father in heaven. Nothing else. And your, the desire of your heart is, Lord, I want to talk to you. Lord, I want to commune with you. And I'm shutting everything else out and I'm in secret and I want to talk to you. And that, that's the, that's the instruction that he's that he's giving. But he says in verse seven, he says, But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. Now notice in verse five he used the word hypocrites. And here in verse seven he uses the word heathen. And he's I mean very strong language. It says, For they that for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. He says, Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth. Isn't this wonderful? For your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask. Our Father in heaven is just waiting for us to ask him because he loves us. He wants to provide our needs. He wants to have a relationship with us, and he is just waiting for us to ask But Jesus goes on in verse nine, he says, after this manner, therefore pray ye. And he says, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now notice this, he starts out, our father, which there is a requirement here before we can pray, as Jesus was teaching the disciples, God the Father in heaven must be your father. Now, we are all God's creation, but unless you've been born again, you are not God's child. If you have not the Spirit of God, you're not one of His. So there must be a time in your life Where you have been convicted of the Holy Spirit, you have seen that you're a sinner, you have realized that you're a sinner, and you have cried out to him with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, confessing the fact that you are a sinner and your need for him to be your Savior, and you have believed on the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ." If that time has never happened in your life, friend, I pray, I pray, I earnestly pray that there come a time that you realize the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and that the God in heaven can be your father and you can pray in this manner. But he says, our father, which art in heaven, he's alive. He resides in heaven his son being jesus christ is sitting on his right hand making intercession for you and i and jesus told the disciples he said if i go away i go away to pre- to prepare a place and there i will come and receive you unto myself so he is in heaven. He is alive on that third day after the crucifixion. Jesus arose. He he defeated death, hell, and the grave, so that you, mine and your salvation. If we would believe on the death, the burial, and the resurrection by that resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, He completed our salvation. He completed that plan, and He is alive in heaven. And we can pray to Him that for He is alive, and He is not dead. He is not dead. But it says, hallowed be thy name. This meaning we are to give the name of our God the utmost reverence and the utmost respect. There is no name among men whereby ye must be saved. And that name being Jesus Christ, there is no, there is no more of a higher name. And the, and the name of the Lord God should not be lowered to the level of man. It should always be held with the most reverence and the most respect. And then we go to verse 10 and he says, thy kingdom come. Now you and I have probably prayed this. The, which is referred to as the the Lord's Prayer. You and I have probably prayed this I don't know how many times. I know when I was in high school, we prayed this very prayer before a basketball game and before a baseball game. But did I really understand what I was saying? No, I really didn't. And it says it starts out in verse 10, and it says, Thy kingdom come. Did we really understand that we're to pray for Jesus to come? And th- that's how we're instructed to pray, thy kingdom come. We're really to pray and say, Lord, come, come back, set up your kingdom. Lord, we want to be with you. That's the desire. We are to be looking for to him for Him to come. We're to be anxious for him to come. And he instructs us for us to pray for him to come. In the second half of verse 10, it says, thy will be done in earth as it is, as it is in heaven. So we're to pray that the Lord's will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So that means that you and I should be busy about the Lord's work and pray that other people be busy about the Lord's work. Our heart's desire should be that the Lord's will be done. And then... We go to verse 11, and I find verse 11 very interesting because if you notice, there's been nothing so far in the structure that Jesus is teaching us in how to pray, there's been nothing asked of us personally. How many times, and I can only speak for myself, when I get down to pray, the first thing I mention is, Lord, give me this. Lord, give me that. Lord, I need this. I never start out with our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's always about, a lot of times, it, I mean, not always, but a, a good bit of the time, it's always about Joel, putting Joel first. But in the structure of the prayer, a request for our own personal selves doesn't come until after We have honored our Father's name. We've given respect to his name. We've prayed for his will to be done. Then we say, give us this day our daily bread. Now we're getting to say, Lord, I need you. Please provide for me. Now, we live in a day where people have a really hard time of distinguishing between a need and a want. Now I can remember growing up if I heard my parents particularly particularly my mother and my mother was a soldier and God bless her the examples that she set for me was in, absolutely incredible but mama had a scene that I would I would ask her for something and if I heard it once I heard it a hundred times you once won't, won't hurt you your wants won't hurt you. And at times, you know, as you're growing up as a, as a kid and a teenager, that would make me mad. But now I understand it. And now I really appreciate my mother teaching me the difference between a need and a want. Now, if we seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, The Bible teaches us that all these things shall be added unto us. Now, we need to understand what all these things really mean. It means food on our table, clothes on our back, a roof over our head and a bed to sleep in and the things we need for our family to be maintained and survive from day to day. But we say, give us this day our daily bread. And Lord, I'm going to acknowledge you. I'm looking for you to provide for me. And when you do provide for me, I'm going to acknowledge you. I'm going to honor you and I'm going to praise you before men. And I'm going to let men know that my provision, my, my, my blessings Come from the Father of lights above in heaven, in which there is no variableness, and there is no shadow of turning, there's no darkness, for every good gift comes from above. And I'm going to acknowledge that before men. And then in verse 12, and it says, And forgive us our debts our sins, as we forgive our debtors, or those who have sinned against us. Now here's an interesting thought about this verse. <clears throat> It's really easy for us when we know we've done wrong, it's really easy for us to get on our knees and pray, Lord, forgive me, forgive me, but well, we've we've mastered that. I know I have, but the real key to this is we're going to have people that, for whatever the circumstance is, that's going to do us wrong. And we have to be able to extend the same grace and same mercy to our fellow man as we ask God to show us. So how on earth, and Jesus touches on this in Scripture following this the structure of this prayer, if you don't forgive people who have sinned against you, neither will your Father forgive you of your sins. So we have to extend the same grace and mercy to our fellow man as we as we ask our Lord to give us. So, and then in verse 13, it says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We need to depend on God, that he is our deliverer. As long as we are in this world, we are going to encounter evil. We are. And there's going to be times, there's going to be entrapments There's going to be times where we're we going to ask ourselves, how on earth did we get ourselves in this situation? And we need to look to God, say, Lord, lead me through this, guide me through this, rather than ourselves trying to lean on our own understanding and say, you know, I can handle this, and then we're going to get ourselves in a pickle, and it gets to the point where we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to, and then we fall. But if we will depend on God that he is our deliverer from evil. He will deliver us, and if we will obediently take his hand, he will lead us in his paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And it says, it goes on in verse 13, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. In other words, our Father in heaven is the ultimate authority. And if there's anything this world struggles with is honoring and respecting authority, especially the authority of the living God. Now, my time is up, and I hope this message has been a help to you. And I will be back with you next Tuesday. This is Joel Martin.